The show started, Isla. I was waiting for you to make the introductions. Okay then. So as Texas Radio Fish goes off into the background, I well can done. welcome you back to yet another episode of Geeks, Geeks off, off the Clock. Oh, she said it for me. Oh, sorry. I have. A, I'm on the squeaky chair. I sorry do, about that. I do apologise for that, lovely listener, <laughs> Caroline in, in Kendall. <laughs> it's funny that you paused there because I was thinking one day I will have to introduce the show. And I was looking at you, waiting for you to introduce the show, thinking the saxophone started. This is when you normally start start speaking. And you were looking at me to start. I had a feeling you were doing that. I I had a feeling. We are mind reading now. Indeed we are. We are the Borg. I don't understand that. Sorry, because I'm not tech geeky. No, no, it's a Star Trek Actually, that's not true. I'm not not sci-fi geeky, but I, I like Excel a lot. Well, you are a geek, hence the reason why it's called... Geeks off the clock because no, it's called Geeks off the clock because it's your show and I happen to be your other half who's willing to speak to you. Completely disagree. <laughs> I called it Geeks off the clock because you said you admitted to me when we were courting <laughs> that you are a bit of a geek. Well, I am actually, but not quite the same things as you. True, that is true. I don't. What does the geek mean then? Sort of. Yeah, you don't mind admitting that you're into stuff that other people aren't into and you get a bit kind of involved in it. Precisely. Um, some people can, well, I don't know. Some people can confuse it with um, being a nerd. And I think that's really something entirely different. As far as I'm concerned, a geek is someone who has an intense interest in something that others perhaps wouldn't find that interesting. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And and also, crucially, I think I am a bit geeky because I can appreciate that in other people. Yes. So, you know, you be, belong to the fraternity of... Yeah, I'm on the fringe. The fringe of the fraternity. I can't say that. The fringe of the fraternity. The, the fraternity of geekdom or geekology or But I do like Excel a lot. And I seem to be the only person in the world that really knows how to use Facebook privacy settings. I think you probably need to get a job at Facebook because, you know, I work in IT and I still don't understand that. Although it's not really an IT issue, it's really just a matter of... Anywho, we <laughs> seem to be know, digressing. Office. Well, we can't digress when we haven't started. That's a very good point. We're digressing from what is in my mind to talk about. I know you've got something you want to talk about, which is um, rather topical because we're right in the uh, middle of what's going on in terms of Florida and Hurricane Irma. Correct. Yes. Not we very good. We have CNN news on downstairs, sort of, we've had it on most of the day, haven't we? Sort of watching the progress and thinking, why are those CNN reporters standing there? Especially that... Um, you know, quite slight woman who's practically being blown down the street. Clinically insane, standing in the path of a road sign that was blown down. All we were waiting for was for a a rush of air, wind, whatever you want to call it, to take her head off. It was ridiculous. But the thing that struck me is that um, you've told me this before, but I think when you first told me that you had lived through a hurricane on Mm -hmm. Jamaica... I mean, I, I took that in. I did ask you some questions about it at the time. Um, but I suppose it didn't feel very visceral. And now when I'm looking at these pictures, I'm thinking, 
once you've lived through something like this, and I, I, I suppose part of the thing is that when when the hurricane hit um, Haiti, or when it was an earthquake, sorry, right. I'm getting mixed up, but it's a similar thing. What I, what I was about to say was when it when it hits a country which um, it doesn't have the infrastructure and perhaps the media presence, et cetera, et cetera, as the United States of America, you don't watch, um, and also obviously an earthquake just happens, but you yes. don't watch people evacuating. But, you know, this hurricane is well predicted. What was, what was, what was they said? Six million people evacuating. You see yeah. images of their cars driving off, driving off. Down the freeway, it, it yeah. looked like, the beginnings of the apocalypse. We're looking at Miami and the palm trees are blowing over and the street signs are blowing down and the reporters are, I mean, just bonkers to be out in it. And I just began to think more about the fact that you said you'd lived through a hurricane. I and have then, indeed. Yeah, and then I looked it up, Hurricane Gilbert, which yes. was 29 years ago, apparently, according to Wikipedia. That means I'm old. Indeed. So 1988, they were, and until Irma... Now, Gilbert was the second uh, biggest hurricane ever recorded. Now, I didn't even know that. I had no idea that it was that intense. All I knew at the time that uh, was basically uh, Jamaica was, you know, right in line to be hit by it. It was going to be a direct hit and it was going to be bad. And it was. Yeah. But, you know. Well, the facts are... I'm still are, here. Yeah, you are. The facts are that uh, by the time it hit Jamaica, it was a Category 3, which is, is, is less than Irma is at the moment. But unusually, and I imagine this is unusual, it went across the whole length of Jamaica. Yeah, a direct hit. And then when it came out the other end, then it picked up speed and became a Category 5 and went on to hit Mexico. It was a bit like an enema. In one side, out the other. <laughs> I, I nothing to say about that. <laughs> I'm trying to get that image out Sorry. of my mind. Um, so yes, so it was. It was at the the time the second. It was, no, at the time it was the the worst hurricane ever, and then it had be, it was superseded by Hurricane Wilma in 2005. Because, uh, of course, we talk about Katrina a lot. Um, Katrina was it, a massive it, it one. Was it massive, was massive, but it was apparently five. only the seventh um, worst. But I suppose we talk about it mainly because of the political um, fallout from that and the way it was handled in the United States. So um, tell us then, you know, your experience of Hurricane Gilbert. You were a young man. You were a young man at um, teaching at a boarding school and you were a resident there. Mm. So you were in this residential block and um, tell us what happened about the well, preparation for I, it, for example. I'll be honest with you. Um, when I think of Hurricane Gilbert, I think of corned beef. Yes, this is because, because that's literally all I ate for a month. So how much warning did you get of it? I mean, you, you, you get the standard warning. Oh, it's coming. Uh, maybe maybe a, uh, a couple of days. It could have been more. I, I'm, I'm not too sure. But you get the warning. So you know, and granted, I'd, I'd never been through a hurricane before. I mean, I'd only been working in the country for what? Well, living in the country, I should say, rather than working in the country. I'd been, been there for five years. Yes, yes. five years. And so um, this was all new to me. So I was following the lead of um, what others already knew about 
hurricane preparedness or whatever. So the, you these call images it. that we see on the television with people boarding up windows with yeah, with, uh, all with of that. planks, that I mean, all happens. I didn't really have windows to board up, but uh, I certainly got supplies in and um, figuratively, I should say, battened down the hatches. Okay, so there was you and a handful of colleagues in this Indeed. residential block. So you weren't alone. So you, oh, no, well, no. you must have been quite frightened, but I suppose having people around you eases that. Absolutely. And I, I'll tell you what, um, once the power had gone, I, I, in fact, once the hurricane had passed, I know we're supposed to be talking about the hurricane, but yeah. in the aftermath, it, it, it was incredibly peaceful because mm. you had no... Um, street lights or anything like that so you could literally look up at night and see the entire milky way <laughs> and that was awesome yes i bet it was and what it encouraged people to do was sit in a circle in the evening and just talk to each other because we didn't have any radio to listen to well i was going to ask you about communications because we'd been chatting a little bit about this earlier mm. and you'd been saying you know you'd, you'd stocked up on about a week's worth of food and there was a bit of flooding in your yeah. school um, but of course there wasn't the internet then, no. um, and there would have been radio and obviously there would have been television, but of course the power went out, so there's no television, but you had batteries in radios? Batteries. I do remember one colleague, in fact, having a, a car battery that really? he hooked up to uh, a car radio and that's what we used to, to listen to music and find out. Um, what was going what on? Was going on? And and what what was I mean, was this school um, in a busy area? I mean, how, how much of a sense of of destruction did you did you have about the surrounding area? I mean, it was rural. It was rural. The, the uh, college itself was slap bang in the middle of nowhere, so it was hard to get a perspective of just how devastating the thing was, especially because you couldn't really watch anything on tv but you know trees were down um uh so power lines of, were down so in terms of your landscape sort of there wasn't a lot of buildings around you that were that, were, that were down because there weren't Precisely. many buildings so mm. um did you have a sense of what was going on in kingston for example and what was going on in kingston um it was pretty much the same thing uh roofs were coming off um lots of flooding no power we were we were getting that perspective over the radio. Okay, and I and I I asked you earlier on about um, who was in charge. I'm interested in you know how, how these things happen because presumably the 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 the, the main areas of population come first, trying to well, get yes. those I'm, people. I think that's what um, the government at the time decided to do: concentrate on the more densely populated areas. And I think that's a part of the reason why we ended up uh, waiting about a month for the electricity to come back in. But they did get a lot of uh, people in. There were a lot of aid agencies that came in and were working on getting the power restored to the entire island mm. because obviously um, there were people stuck on the island uh, who were um, holidaying. Oh, they, yes, couldn't, they couldn't leave. <laughs> no flights were coming in, no flights were going out. They, you know had to be catered for in in some ways so there was a lot of um international attention um, shall we say on um the response and getting now, things back now i've never been to jamaica so i i have no sense of what it's what it's like um and obviously that was back in 1988 mm. and and you continued to live there for some time after that but 
is it is it back to how it was or or, or does back to how it was uh, am i am i being too sort of british about it imagining a city being rebuilt or is, oh god is it... no god no no <laughs> I mean, that I, I would not really happen yeah. not at all because they can't afford it i mean the, the the main thing that they were concentrating on was getting the power back up you know you've you've got your insurance claims to repair houses and all that sort of thing because but there was no major rebuilding this is this wasn't like london after the blitz no or, or for that matter japan after um you know the, 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 nuclear, the, the, thing. the nuclear strike or, or anything like that um sorry i didn't mean the nuclear thing like the war because that sounds like belittling i was thinking about the <laughs> yes. nuclear power station that, that oh that fukushima I, yes that's sorry um no, there wasn't anything like that at all. But but, it, but, even, it, but what about now then? Twenty nine years later, I, 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 is Jamaica is Jamaica rebuilt to what it was before Gilbert? I would say um, yes, uh, as far as I know. Anyway, I mean, I, you know, I don't live there anymore. Really so it there. takes time, but it does. It happen. does take time, and I think for the most part, things get back to the way they were, because. And, you know, I'll say it again. The biggest problem is uh, power, water, things like that. Mm. It's not so much that the, the hurricane lays waste to um, an entire city. Well, it didn't in that case. I mean, it it, it's, it has done to this. Irma has to, to small, small West Indian um, islands, haven't they? Caribbean islands this time. Well, yes. Some I mean, that's what they've said. Yeah. Uh, which one is it again? It sounds like Bermuda, Bermuda Bar- but it's not. Bur- oh, sorry. Barbuda. Barbuda. Yeah. 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 Well, that could just be a, as a result of poor building. Well, I was going to ask about the building. Is 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 there um, is there any? I mean, obviously, uh, residents of Jamaica can't stop hurricanes coming in. They're going to happen, and they're going to keep happening. So, uh, buildings are built in a particular way or differently to withstand I, them? I Are they think lower? That's, I think that's the case. Yeah. I definitely think um, what you've got going on there is um, construction to withstand Are things, things like raised? Are buildings raised? Earthquakes and um, hurricanes. Lots of lots of homes are raised. Right, right. For, and to prevent the, flooding, the walls yeah. are incredibly thick. You know, um, yes. I was going to use an example of someone having tested that when a catastrophic event happened but yes walls are certainly a lot thicker than the kinds of walls you'd find in shall we call them western homes right okay so there is that yes but it was it it was an interesting experience um i would say i I, you know i wasn't scared i you know i wasn't thinking at uh, at any point that my life was going to end or anything like that. I mean, a couple of people died um, when Gilbert struck, but at no point did I think that my life was in danger. Uh, I guess that's in part because of where I was, Mm. Um, but also, you know, it was a bit of wind and rain and as long as you stayed indoors you were fine unfortunately i think you think that because it was rural all the people who died were people who had gone out Mm. during the hurricane Mm. trying to fix something yes i can imagine i I think you would have probably felt differently if you'd been in a built-up area because you know you'd have seen uh, roofs whipped up by the by the wind and and debris everywhere i think if debris of trees is shocking and obviously dangerous depending on which Mm. way it falls but I think probably when you see 
man-made structures flying around. Um, I think I suspect that looks like and feels like more of a loss of control over the elements. I mean, quite possibly, because some of the stuff that we've seen today so far in Florida is mm. actually quite shocking. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. And I mean, you, you had no power um, and you've talked about that sort of sitting around chatting which um you know it sounds sounds wonderful and i'm not trying to romanticize it because it because it's not it's a serious business um but did you feel the the sanitation was fine so you you were you lacked electricity Mm -hmm. but as you have said to me before uh gas stoves work off gas cylinders so you could still cook absolutely um what kind of hardship did you feel during that month well, that that was the thing. I I don't really think I did. I mean, there was there were obvious things that were going on. Um, you know, the supermarkets were inflating prices because certain things weren't available. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had to be creative. But I, in that month immediately um, after the hurricane, there there was a sense of coming together, and mm. you know, you'd you'd make the best of what you had. So I actually do think of that month in a rather romantic way, being able to look up at the stars at night, having these deep conversations with people, um, and generally people coming together and yeah. just, just like engaging we, like, like with each other. Like we see so often after any disaster, people coming Absolutely. to help each other. And, and what, because I don't know the geography of this, obviously other members of your family were there in Jamaica at the time. Yeah. Um, did you know what had happened to them? Because telephone lines and things must have been down or were you near enough to walk and find out afterwards what not, happened? Not near enough to walk at all, but... Um, I th- messages I'm trying to remember exactly I mean there must have been a fuel shortage as well out. surely yeah. there, were, there were fuel shortages but not to the point where you, you couldn't go um, somewhere I'm actually trying to remember um, how you... word was gotten to me or how I found out but you did find out that oh yes right. yes yeah. I mean it, it, it would have it been something as simple as yes we're fine we're all fine here you know, live long and prosper and carry on. Hmm. Um, I can't remember if it, it certainly wasn't a a phone call. I think it might have been a visit. I think my sister might have, um, been doing the the rounds. rounds. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, informed us all that everything was fine. So what do you think? What seeing these images now, what does it, does it, does it bring back any kind of, emotional feeling or, or or does it remind you of practical things you'd forgotten about or are you just watching it like the rest of us um you know from a distance i i sort of watch it with a sense of yes been there done that but also glad i'm not in it again mm. and added to all of that a little bit of i know what you're going through it's not good but stay in you'll get over it <laughs> yeah, stay, stay indoors stay safe don't go outside during the hurricane. That's the worst thing to do. And what do you think um, about the fact that obviously Florida, in terms of man-made structures um, and infrastructure, etc., is a very how do I put this sophisticated place? It's a it's a very um, it's a strong word to use uh, to describe yeah. Florida, but yeah. never mind. <laughs> Shout out to all the people in Florida listening <laughs> yeah, exactly. to this. 
Um, what I, what I mean, but it's not it's not rural. It, no. It's got every man made thing in it, all very close together. So if a tree falls, for example, it hits something else. You know, yes. a tree falls in in the part of Jamaica that you're talking about. It probably hits the ground or another tree, um, and people aren't aren't perhaps used to managing. You know, the the the, the more we have all mod cons the more we rely on mod cons and mm. then we're a little bit at a loss to cope when things are taken away from us. And sometimes it's a little bit of a, a thing between urban and rural people, isn't it? That, that, that um, you know, rural people think urban people can't cope with anything and they may be right to a certain extent. Mm. So, you know, we, we, we sometimes see countries devastated by terrible things that happen um, and, and they need a lot of help and support to rebuild. But I, I sometimes wonder whether their mindset is a little bit more able to cope with it than, than someone that lives where everything is at the press of a button. What, you, do you see what I'm saying about Florida? I mean, it, you know, Florida could be devastated. And I think, wow, you know, that's such a massive change of, of life for, for those people. What, what Have you got any thoughts about that particularly? Well, I, I just wonder if it's... <sighs> I know hurricanes are, are devastating forces of nature, but you've got to consider the fact that people who live in Florida always live with the expectation that they're going to be hit by a hurricane. I suppose the same is true for um, anyone who lives in Jamaica. They live with this knowledge that it can happen and one day it is. Mm. And I suppose, or at least I, I would expect possibly hope that um they go about their lives with a with a a, a sense of purpose but a, i don't know a, a little bit of trepidation about the uh, the notion that this thing is going to happen and i i need to be ready mm. for when it does because one of the things i i remember was just how much people were able to stock up on supplies mm. not panic they sort of mobilised quite naturally. Mobilising quite naturally mm. and just getting on with it. Mm. So I would hope Which is very that impressive. You know, those people uh, who are going through Irma right now in Florida are doing the same thing. I think that's fundamentally different when you compare it to Katrina. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone realised how bad that was going to be. Mm. I think there were people who just said, okay, it won't be too bad, so I won't evacuate. Mm -hmm. Lots of people didn't. Granted, lots of people couldn't because mm -hmm. they were just poor. Mm. And then it happened mm. and that and then to compound all of that, you had the um, rather lacklustre response mm. by the um, federal government mm. to it, which no one wants to see happen again. And I don't think will ha ever happen again. No, no, I don't think it will. Yes. Well, that's really that's really interesting. And it's, um, you know, it's very thought provoking. It makes me reflect on what's happening to them but also you know what, what what's happened to you in the past and um you know it's a boy that's resilience building i mean i think the fact is that you know any of us have lived through anything i'm not necessarily talking about a natural disaster anything as catastrophic as that but a car accident or anything like that you you absorb these things into, into you don't you your experiences um and um, yeah, it, it it just makes me stop and think about it. But I, if it, there happens to it, be anybody out there in the path of Irma, then you know, good luck to you and uh, fingers and everything crossed that you're you're not too badly affected. It does put your life in 
perspective mm. because there, you know, some people get upset when their Oyster card doesn't work, uh, and yet, you know, you've got people who, you know, don't have somewhere or won't have somewhere to sleep uh, tonight because yeah. they've lost their roof. Yeah. yeah. So it's all very interesting mm. in the end. Now, I've been reflecting on on something uh, for quite some time. Well over the last week, mm. uh, about um, the statement made by the transgender uh, model who was dropped by L'Oreal. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, we're, not, we're not good with names. We keep forgetting names. She's got a very interesting name, and I just can't remember it. Uh, but the issue at hand was is all about the perception of privilege and some people taking a, a statement completely out of context and coming to the conclusion that um, there's, there's something inherently racist in what she said. While I don't agree with the words that she used, and I've said this to you before, I completely and totally agree with the idea of what she was saying, mm. that... Um, we are all subject to our own biases based on our level of socialization. Indeed. And, um, and there our is own personal levels of awareness as well. Precisely. And there is a, a, a sense of privilege for some people that they may not be aware of because their own life experience has not allowed them to step outside of who they are. No, that's, that's correct. It's also not a criticism. No. No, it's not a criticism. But when those same people now decide, oh, what you're saying is rubbish, that's not true. Yes, that, that's not Then good. that's that's the part that I, I struggle with because you simply can't dismiss it if you've not... No, if you haven't not experienced it. Experienced but, but also it. The, that group of people are basically saying, I've not experienced it, but I'm not even prepared to accept the fact that because I haven't experienced it, it, it might not be true. You know, they, they, they're, not, they're, not, they're not willing to accept someone else's truth. Well, um, but not only that, I've, I've read uh, some people's uh, comments about it. And the, the other part that truly irritates me, and I don't know what your perspective is on this, is where they say, well, if this is a problem... Um, how are you going to solve it? The onus isn't on that person to solve it. Mm. That person is is telling you that this is this is a state of play right now, mm. and it's only going to change when every single person acknowledges it mm -hmm. and uh, tries to change it in their own way. I don't know if there's going to be some sort of systemic change, but individually we can all make changes we can at least try and empathize a little bit more with our fellow man absolutely well it, it has to start on an individual level you have to you have to start thinking about what do other people say does that ring true in any way with me especially mm. if you're white you have to think oh actually okay i've never had to think about this before does it make any sense? Are there times where I have had an opinion that's come into my head, not an opinion, but just a fleeting thought that actually when I think about it, where did that come from? Because it's, it doesn't feel like me. 
It doesn't feel right. like me personally. Therefore, it's come from somewhere. And, um, you know, this is, this is sometimes the generational thing that, uh, you know, those perceptions have been portrayed of people of colour in the media, etc., etc., over different generations. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of thinking that somebody of my age approaching 50... Ooh. Uh, Shall we have a reaction stinger for that? <laughs> so, approaching 50 has got a certain heritage behind me of uh, watching what was on television in the 70s and 80s which will be a different heritage to my, you know, children, late teens, early 20s, because they've seen things portrayed differently on the television. Much which will be, differently. Which will be different to my own parents. Yes. Who obviously are of the generation where they saw a lot of immigrants coming from the West Indies, as we were talking about. So through the generations, this kind of filters. But I suppose everything is slightly transitional. So individuals need to think, okay, do I have some kind of legacy which I don't actually actively agree with but is still there that I'm actually having to on a day-to-day basis slightly fight and, and it's good if you're fighting it because it means you're engaged with it yes um but because a lot of people just go well I don't think like that therefore it doesn't apply to me it, actually that's not right it, no it, 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 and, it applies to everyone and that was precisely what she was trying to say yeah. and and I think that's exactly what thing, other people just couldn't understand. Some people can't understand it, but but people get very upset if they're called racists. True. Now, if you're a racist, you don't get upset about it. <laughs> if if you're not a racist, essentially, then you know you're quite right. You understandably get upset about it. But she didn't really. It's a very, it's a very emotive word. I don't think that she really meant to point fingers at individuals and say, you're racist, you're racist. Yes. What she was trying to say was that there is racism built into the system. Yes. And if you're white, you actually can't help but benefiting from that. And, and you can't step outside of it because you're white. You can't, and you can't not be white. <laughs> so the, the, those, those words, that word, you white people are all racist. What... What I think she really meant was racism exists and all white people benefit from it. Precisely. And, you know, for those people who say, well, you know, I don't like to call names, but let's just say a, a certain interviewer asked a really stupid question about privilege, about if you're, if, if you're poor and white compared to being poor and black or poor and brown, um, do you still have uh, privilege as that white person? Yes, let's let's rank the poor, shall we? Yes, black, black, poor, white, poor. Who's worse? We all know. Exactly. <laughs> and you know the 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 Stephen Lawrence report and um, the statement made by uh, is it Greg Dyke about the BBC? Yes, are clear um, sources of evidence. To, to back up what this woman was saying. And that is a reality. It's, it's not something that you can say, well, I'm not too sure if I agree with that. To me, it's like someone saying, there is such a thing as gravity, and you saying, well, you know, I'm not too sure if I agree with that. The evidence is there. <laughs> and I, I, I just think some people need to, to, to wake up, acknowledge what they, they have, and 
just tear down the system. But I think the, f- the fact is that's, that my, the... that's me being an anarchist now, <laughs> which I'm not, by the way. Um, I can't remember what program it was, but was it in that series of Black Britain that the BBC was yeah. showing that that um, they showed those uh, bits of those absolutely appalling. Um, anti-black propaganda films from the uh, was it the I don't know when it was even from was it mm. was it from the was it from a hundred years ago or so where you know blacked up white men oh, were, yes. were were made yes. to be to, to be shown out to be a threat to white women I think it, it might have been a clip from the original version that, oh, of Birth film? of a Nation yes that's what it was yeah. that's what it was absolutely ghastly and I think the thing is that um, you know. The, the Lammy report came out this week. Yes. Um, and for those who don't know what that is, David David Lammy is a Conservative MP, a black Conservative MP in Britain, and he had been asked by David Cameron, um, in so that was in the previous uh, government, previous parliament rather, um, to look at a, into to provide a report on the criminal justice system in the UK. And it's come out this week, you know, showing that it's a proportionally, disproportionately, I don't skewed towards, uh, you know, against, against rather, black people, mm-hmm. more black people in the system, blah, blah, blah. Now, I mean, I think probably when you and I were growing up, Hubert, in the 70s and 80s, you know, evidence that there were more black people in prison, etc., was was kind of always presented in a way that was, that shows black people are more likely to, to commit crime. Which but, is actually no more logical than saying... Um, uh, more white kids go to grammar school, therefore um, white kids are far more intelligent than kids of every uh, every other exactly. colour other than it, white. Exactly. It, it was sort of just presented like that. Yeah. That's the fact, but it's, it's nothing at all. That's just no. an outcome. Yes. <laughs> that's the that's a result. That's, that's actually data with no meaning. Completely. And, of course, now we're, we're, we're in an era, I, I believe, where it's being turned around yes this is a fact there are more black people in prison than than white people data but but the but the question is how has that happened how is surely surely that can't be because they've got dark skin of course it can't be it's to do with poverty it's to do with opportunities to all those things that are going on behind it so but it's we're also sort of turning to, it around it's also to do because my understanding is that um a part of what the Lamy report stated was that um there was there was an on I don't know if it's unconscious or conscious, but there was a bias to to want to incarcerate someone of brown or or or, or, or dark brown skin, um, based on a perceived uh, belief that they're probably more dangerous. Yes, the, well, there's there's lots of perceptions on both sides. First of all, there was um, uh, one of the conclusions was that people of color are far less likely to plead guilty and then get a smaller sentence mm. because they do not trust the people who are representing them. Yeah. So their perception is that this lawyer isn't going to be on my side. This white lawyer usually is not going yeah. to be on my side. No, that's wrong as well. So the, mm. the perception from the, the person who has been caught doing something, who may have done something, you know, the, the, the argument was that, that if you've got a, a white person and a black person who have committed that crime, the white person will be persuaded to to plead guilty and get a lesser lesser sentence, whereas the black person will not be persuaded because their perception is these white people are out to get me, therefore I will just plead not guilty 
on the in the hope that I will get off completely. But of course, then they go to trial by jury, and they're a lot more actually li- like like to suffer then. Yes. <laughs> so so there was there's that perception, but then of course there's the perception that you're talking about from perhaps the judiciary, which is mainly white, obviously, um, that well maybe they're going to be more dangerous because there's quite a lot of people interviewed that um, black people in prison that were interviewed that. I've got much, much longer sentences for the same crime well, precisely. as a white person. And so there's, there's a, an awful lot going on there. But actually, it was what it was trying to do was go, yeah, we know this is a fact, but that does not prove that black people are more likely to be criminals. Well, and it, you see, that's the, that will always be the biggest it. mistake that conservative media makes. They, they look at data it's and put to it... It's not a mistake. It's the something they say well a mistake from the point of view that it's incorrect oh, it's incorrect yes but, but they, i don't they, think they say it mistakenly they they take data they they simply take raw data and interpret it in whatever way they want that's, that's so it them. is it it is and has always been completely illogical to believe that because um more black people get arrested and put in prison that black people are therefore um, much more violent. Mm. I've heard so many times on everyone's favourite conservative um, uh, TV station, Fox News, <laughs> uh, that this, this is true. It is data. Mm. It is raw data. Mm. And that's all it is. Once we dig underneath the surface mm. and uncover where where the problem is, why is this happening? Then we discover um, uh, rather interesting and scary things. Yeah, it, but there you go. Exactly. I mean, when I um, used to teach students uh, how to uh, work with data in databases and and in Excel, but what we were, what I was always teaching them, especially with Excel, actually, is that I was trying to get them to, t- to do a project which was take data and turn it into information. Right. And to turn it into information, you have to actually look at that data and actually analyse what's going on behind it. The actual data, the actual result, is just numbers. It's, it's, it's meaningless. Just numbers. Um, you know, you, 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 there's, there's, there's lots of ways that you, that you could do this, but, I mean, if you, if you are able, it's not really something you can particularly do very easily. But, you know, if you take a black child and a white child brought up in a similar sort of income household or, you know, whether they've got a father there, whatever, and follow them through their lives, um, you're probably not going to see a different result because they're, you know, if you see a different result, therefore, it must be because what's the one difference between them, the colour of their skin? It's it's very complicated, but I'm hoping that we're going to start seeing a sea change in in how these things are looked at and, and you don't take the result and go, so that proves this. No, it doesn't. Because there might be other things that it could prove as well. I think it, what we're seeing, well, what we saw in the past, not necessarily what we're seeing now. Oh, to some extent, we still see it because the Daily Mail still exists. But mm. um, with a lot of um, data, it's as a result, well, sorry, not with a lot of data, but with the way in which people decide to interpret it, mm. it's either a case of extremely biased and bad journalism or you know, people just not really bothering to engage their brains. No, no, exactly. Well, And that's sad. 
it's difficult sometimes. <laughs> and people yes. are busy. True, but um, but yeah. nothing will change unless unless we can encourage more people to to engage. But then you see that is what journalism is about. It's journalism is 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 trying to take the difficult stuff and and break it down for people in in an easy way. And then what happens, of course, is they can skew it to fit well, their precisely. Own ends. And it ends up, um, you know, uh, emboldening certain views that yes. are entirely pernicious. Indeed. That's a, that's a wonderful word. I think it's the word to end on. I think it probably is. Yeah. Um, we've, been, we've been rabbiting on <gasps> for too long. We have. So now you can't find the outro, can I, you? This I never, ever find the outro. So I'm just going to hey, press a button and we've been quite serious hope. today. We haven't been very flippant about things like we've we normally been. are. It's so, been a serious episode. Yeah, but we've had serious things on our mind. And as I say, if there's anyone out there in the path of, of Irma, then best of luck to you and lots of love. Take care. Stay indoors. All Thank the you. best.